This is a podcast from the Queen City Podcast Network. And welcome to another episode of Queen City Nerves News Hounds Podcast. Today we have a return guest and a return host. Uh, Justin's first time back in quite some time. And I've pretty much all but given up on this. Right. He 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 stops in when he, we have an honorable guest that Justin already knows personally and <laughs> likes to hang out with. So that's an honor for Joe. But before we get into that, uh, Justin also has another reason to be here, which is yeah. If you're a if you're a long time listener, first time caller, um, we've got our annual Best in the Nest awards coming up at the end of November. And I say that to say, if you haven't cast your nomination for all five of our categories, 350 winners for readers' picks, head to our website. You'll see it on there. You can just uh, Google Queen City Nerve Best in the Nest if you don't feel like looking for it. Nomination round ends September 30th. Final voting round opens October 2nd, closes November 1st. And then we're having our first ever Best in the Nest party that will double as our five-year anniversary on Sunday, December 3rd at Norfolk Hall in Southend. Tickets are available at bestinthenest2023.eventbrite.com. Nice. You can go now. Uh, Where am I going? Oh. <laughs> and, uh, I might here, get a phone call. I don't know. Here with us, as you know, because this is a podcast, not the radio. But if you clicked on this, you know that we have a return guest, WSOC ace reporter, Joe Bruno. What's going on, Joe? Pleasure to be here. Last time I was on your podcast, I was quarantining because yes. I got exposed to COVID from the state treasurer. That was, oh, wow. Is that <laughs> with Dale Falwell? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Back um, in the height of COVID. Yeah, that was a string of, I don't think I remembered that you were actually in the middle of a specific quarantine because that was during a string of video interviews that we had to do that we hated. But uh, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, podcasts aren't fun when it's no. you know, when you're not yeah. in the same room. Right? And we also had to produce them or at least record them ourselves, mm -hmm. which was just not fun. We did a whole episode with Braxton one time, uh, just a re just was not recording. Yeah, had to go back oh, and do yeah. it again <laughs> same night. Anyway, now we're here. We're in person. We're in Uptown. We're on the day following elections. Will be two days when this podcast comes out. Uh, primary elections happened. Last night while we're recording this, um, and that's why I decided to have you on. Well, you know I shoot you texts all the time. And I love it. You. Yeah, I love it. And you found it because I tweeted my number to somebody yeah. once. That's great. Right, I love right, it. Absolutely. Yes. That's such a meme. It was one of those, hey, if you could uh, call me about this situation, I was like, I don't have Joe's new number. Now I do. Let's get him <laughs> on the podcast. Um, but yeah, uh, this is actually the perfect time. It always sort of works out this way with yeah. some of our guests, just like last uh, ish episode. Liz Claus and Kelly couldn't make it, and then she could make it the same time as Julie Porter. Just, you know, God looks over News Hounds podcast. That's great. Uh, because now we're just coming out of a, a Democratic primary uh, for Charlotte City Council and Mayor. And as most folks know who are really paying attention, uh, that is, for all intents and purposes, the election for most districts, most at-large seats in Charlotte. You don't think Steve DeFiore has a chance no. at all? And I saw some independent or some libertarians getting upset today on Twitter. Like, no, no one in the media has given him a chance. He is the, uh, for context, the independent in the at-large race. So he will be going up against the top four vote-getters in the Democratic primary that happened this week. Uh, no, I just not... I, Nothing against the guy specifically. I'm not completely familiar with this platform, but it's just not going to happen. <laughs> um, but so I guess we there's a lot of topics to talk about as much as it uh, 
was sort of an anticlimactic night in some ways, but there was really a lot going on. And I said, for those who pay attention, and this might be a kind of a wonky podcast for folks, because what we learned last night is there's not a ton of people <laughs> that are that engaged. We got an under, under 5% turnout from uh, not all eligible voters, but the voters who were eligible to vote in this, which were Democratic or unaffiliated uh, vote, Half a million registered voters, right? Um what are your what are your first thoughts coming off that night in terms of just the I know you saw you tweeting just about the low turnout in general. I don't think it was a huge surprise, but it was yeah. low. Yeah, I mean, 5% of voters, like 15 people showed up to the polls mm-hmm. and like you said most of the races were really determined last night. So, I mean, uh, 23,000 people decided the leadership for a million people in the city. Um, yeah, I think it's kind of a warning shot to Democrats in North Carolina, too, because one of the reasons why Sherry Beasley lost mm. to Ted Budd was because the Democratic turnout in Mecklenburg County was not as high as it should be. Mm-hmm. And here we had an election, an important election, city races that were pretty well, well covered, many of the races, mm-hmm. I feel like. Um, and we got 23,000 voters. So um, I think that Democrats need to be worried about the get-out-the-vote if they can only get 5% of their voters to the polls for a city primary, which they're the only things on the ballot. Right. And does it feel like to you, or maybe I don't need to even, it feels like to me, I guess, as someone who we've had some of the local leadership, the new leadership coming in, Drew Cromer, Comer. Um, I've talked to some other folks just in my reporting on Public School Strong and whatnot who are really Democratic organizers. And I didn't really think about this until you just said that, but it does seem like folks are so focused on 2024, not only presidential, but governor, uh, race, things like that, that in terms of local leadership, I didn't see a ton of organizing around this other than folks campaigning for themselves, DIY, but I mean, from the local party. And I I, I didn't go searching for it, so I don't want to misspeak or anything, but I didn't see a ton of people really trying to organize around local elections. Is that just because they figured Democrats have it? I didn't either. I think I Mm -hmm. saw there might have been one event the weekend before the election. Um, I didn't see a whole lot of organization on voter ID either, Mm -hmm. helping people get to the polls. Black Political Caucus, of course, did a lot for uh, their members. But other than that, there wasn't a it wasn't a real visible sense of get out the vote uh, leading up to this primary. Maybe that will change for the November election, but really other than Stephanie Hand and Tark Bakari's race in District 6, there mm-hmm. won't be much competitive races in November. Absolutely. And I agree with people like, well, I don't know about agree. I think everybody should vote when the vote arrives. I, I wish I had checked what number I was at my precinct that mm-hmm. day because yeah, my poll something. workers who are there— twenty. <laughs> It's the same people every time, but they were so excited to see me. Mm-hmm. I was definitely the only person that was there the whole time I was there. And not that it took me more than five minutes, but I understand, like, <clears throat> at least for like a non involved person who will vote in the 2024 elections, how they could see that these local municipal elections don't mean much to them. Because, I mean, I only got to vote for mayor and at-large because I'm in District 1 and there's nobody running in that race. And I look at all the at-large candidates and I'm like, well, if I'm uninformed, uh, they're all the same people to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, sure, they probably have like differing views on, on like the UDO and stuff like that, but they're all Democrats. Mm-hmm. It's all going to be the same stuff <laughs> over right. and over again. So I, I really, I totally understand people not getting very excited about it. Yeah, and Sam Spencer was talking about that last night on Twitter, just saying there's not there's not a huge other than the UDO uh, 
uh, folks on Twitter, you know, we live in a bit of a Twitter bubble. I think mm-hmm. I can say yeah, that that's safely, mm-hmm. where there are a lot of people who pay a lot of attention to what every city council member thinks about the UDO. But that's such a tiny bubble in the, in the larger scheme of things that there aren't a ton of people who are like, they know what Renee Johnson thinks about density. You know, right. there aren't a lot of people. I'd just ask him. Right. <laughs> I literally said, do I... Do I trust this person? I will I say, ask him. Justin and I were talking the other day about this is the first election where my mom texted me to get my opinion on certain folks. Where at the beginning of my journalism career, she used to text me a whole little voter guide in a text message. This is what I think about this person and that person. And I would be like, Mom, this is offensive. I'm, I'm very well aware of all these people and their policies. You don't have to tell me. And then so she stopped for years, and then this year was the first one. She was like, we haven't been paying enough attention to University City. Yeah. What's going on? Uh, anyway, she'll get a kick out of me saying that. But just in general, like you said, a lot of the folks just – and this also has to do with the organizing, I think, is that it's de- Democrats running against Democrats. And I think you can't even blame the local party for – you know they for not like coming through with endorsements necessarily or really trying to get the vote out when it's just sort of like, all right, let the Democrats vote for what Democrats they think are better. And then, like you said, for the District 7 race? Um, six. Or six. Is um, there a seven? Yeah, that's oh, Driggs. Yeah. Um, yeah. But for the District 6 race, there might be some organizing around that. Mm-hmm. But mostly, I think next year, people will just be so into the governor's thing. And and that uh, one is on November 7th. Correct. Right? Yeah, yes. correct. Mm-hmm. No primary general for that, election for that. Democrat, right. Republican. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a big deal. That's yeah. that one's a big one. That is yeah, definitely. What are you? What are your sort of thoughts going into that district six six race? Yeah, because um, it was hundreds of votes, maybe two. Yeah, like three fifty seven. Yeah, um, Stephanie Han was the closest Democrat to ever come to winning district six in the district's entire existence. Like a Republican has always represented. District six, um, and, and it's a district that Biden won by double digits. If you just look at the twenty twenty election results. So on paper, um, it is a winnable seat for Democrats. I think that Tark Bakari is going to be hard to beat, though. He is going to have so much help from the state Republican Party, mm-hmm. and um, he's kind of been preparing for this. Uh, the Mecklenburg County Republican Party has been preparing for it because it's really like the only race that they could defend. They're not looking to mm-hmm. pick up anything. So um you know, Stephanie Hand has had a year to run to for the seat now and get her name ID up. Um, it's going to be really, really interesting. It it's will. tough to beat an incumbent, mm-hmm. uh, as we saw with the District 4 race, mm-hmm. but both parties really are going to throw everything they have at it. Right. And I think what might play some sort of role here um, next year will be District or will it be next year or two years will be when are the next District CMS board races? Because so I know that the just, at-large are this year. Those were just last year, so 2026. Okay, right? so that Four won't be. Term. Yeah. All right, well, then that won't be a difference. <laughs> I was thinking, I've just spoken to a lot of people in my reporting last month on organizing, uh, sort of liberal organizing to sort of push back against Moms for Liberty, and it's it's centered in those districts down in South Charlotte where they're sick of getting Republican representation because now it's becoming more and more extreme. I think that's going to bring out more liberals in South Charlotte just to vote in the CMS. And obviously, a lot of them go down ballot. 
But anyway, moot point because it won't be a CMS district race, but it could right. be. Right, but there's at large this November. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, other than District 6, like uh, the m- most competitive races are in Lake Norman, Cornelius, Huntersville. Mm-hmm. So the, that's where a lot of the turnout will be. I don't know how that will impact the people running for school board. Uh, I'm not the education reporter, so I'm, I'm not really that sure if there are any candidates that are specific or really focusing on those Lake Norman precincts. But if I was running for school board, I would be campaigning a lot in Huntersville and Cornelius just because I know those voters are going to turn out right. this November and they could decide mm-hmm. who one of the three seats are, if not all three. Right. So going back to the uh, this week's primaries, I think the other big story that people uh, paid attention to was the District 4, like you just mentioned. Incumbent Renee Johnson did uh, get the win, but it was the closest race of any, closest race of any uh, in, I believe, and definitely in any district. I don't know what the fourth and fifth difference was mm-hmm. for at-large, but that was sort of a, I don't know if you'd call it controversial, but it got some eyes on it because of Mayor Lyle's giving her endorsement to Will Russell. Did you do any sort of any sort of uh, reporting on getting answers as to why you think that was? I mean, there are some some obvious ones if you cover city council day in and day out, but it really Mayor Lyles doesn't do a ton of right. endorsing like that. For Lyles, this was about having another ally on mm-hmm. council, another reliable vote. She genuinely likes Will. Uh, Will is a member of the planning commission. He was on the Unified Development Ordinance Advisory Committee, and uh, she thought that he was the best candidate in this race. Renee Johnson, in many ways, is an independent mind. She isn't afraid to buck the party or uh, disagree with the mayor. So um, the mayor really tried to flex her political muscle and get a friend on city council, another person she can count on week in, week out for votes, and uh, it just did not work out for her. Right. I was... Uh not taken aback. That's such a silly expression. But I was uh, Renee. Renee screenshotted one of my tweets a week or two ago, and I uh, was sort of defending herself when I said that she's convinced herself that University City is Ballantine because she she completely shut down the idea of having a Greyhound station in University City, and that's all well and good for to think of your district as similar to one of the more well-off districts. That's completely fine. But I just never really heard it a public explanation from her as to well, who's riding Greyhound that you don't want in your district. That sort of is what threw me off. And obviously that's something I can reach out to her for comment on. I don't expect you to comment on that. No, let's speculate. You, <laughs> yes. No, speculate away. Um, but I just thought that uh, that was really an interesting sort of, it was again one of those Twitter controversies that nobody really pays any attention to whatsoever. I didn't even understand the, what the hell you were talking about. Basically, you know. <laughs> yeah, uh, Johnson, From I talked to her a little bit about this. I think she was taken aback because she had no idea that this was even a possibility. It just appeared on the agenda. And I think, to be quite honest, uh, she might not have even realized until I tweeted that this is on the agenda for Monday. So she emailed her colleagues saying, hey, can we pause this? Like, What is this? Uh, what's going on here? And there were some university city voters on Twitter, maybe in her inbox that reached out with concerns or questions about it. The city handed her a win in many ways because then they pulled it off the agenda and she was able to say, like, yeah, I, mm-hmm. listen, I was the one pushing for mm-hmm. this. Um, for context for the for the non-Twitter mm-hmm. dorks, um, <laughs> this was 
the gateway station is being built, and finally some of the construction is happening after finally. years. Uh, right just here near our studio in Uptown, near uh, Fourth Ward, sort of Third Ward area. And uh, basically, they needed the Greyhound station's got to go and in need of temporary space, and they were going to put it near the University City light rail park and go mm-hmm. uh, in that parking garage. And Renee Johnson sort of was hearing about it from Joe Bruno's reporting and not knowing it was even coming up on the agenda until last minute said, whoa, let's get this off. And now it sounds like from your reporting, they're just not even going to approach that spot. Yeah, they need to find somewhere to put these buses, but mm-hmm. I guess they're not going to consider this parking deck in University mm-hmm. City. And to be fair to Renee, I I was reacting more to the reactions of random Twitter users to your tweet who were saying, yeah, that's good. Get it out of here. We don't want the riffraff. I saw riffraff said like three times by three different people. And it's just like, who, how are you dehumanizing people because they ride a Greyhound bus? Um, yeah, I don't understand that one. Yeah. Because that's not, I mean, I I would get the, I would get people on Twitter dehumanizing people taking public transportation because mm-hmm. they, those the people doing that suck, not the ones taking the transportation. Right. But Greyhound, that's just the long travel. I don't yeah. understand. It's the same as taking a train or a plane, just right. taking a bus. I think, I think sense. my understanding is they see it as that version of you would take a plane if you were like me. <laughs> <laughs> like you're broke if you're taking Greyhound. Uh, Greyhound could be fun. There was a lot of riffraff use, Justin. <laughs> that's all I know. It was uh, I hate riffraff. It was like a His slur in that, in that context. <laughs> Not a slur. But uh, yeah, so I mean, looking, was there any real surprises last uh, this week's election? This week's um, primary. I would say uh, surprise in a way. District three was pretty chaotic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, think back to when Patrick Cannon right, that's ran for city council. Uh, nobody touched him. Like, mm-hmm. no, everyone just pretended there was no controversy with Patrick Cannon, and they wouldn't go after him. They wouldn't even privately say, like, hey, you should support me over this mayor who mm-hmm. <laughs> was arrested. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so, like, to criticize another person you're running against, it's just super rare. Everyone's mm-hmm. normally polite in city council. Or they say, like, oh, they voted against the UDO and I'm in favor of it. They don't, like, personally attack people. Right. And we and saw this is Warren Turner. some of that with mm-hmm. the Warren Turner-Tijuana-Brown um, race. And the context is Warren Turner w- was found to have sexually harassed employees when he was on city council in 2010. Uh, there was a whole investigation about it. And I tried to ask him about it, like, do an interview. I interviewed every candidate except for him um, for the races that we covered. And they just shut it down completely. They wouldn't address it. They wouldn't comment on it directly. And so Tijuana Brown took some shots saying, like, listen, I'm very open with my past being uh, someone who was arrested for a felony and serving time and having my child in prison. I think that if you're running for office, you should answer to voters and you should be transparent. So uh, from what I understand, the Turner campaign did not like those remarks so they went after brown who was their biggest threat in this race and they called her a habitual felon Mm -hmm. which isn't true yeah couldn't they have sued him for slander or something or are you allowed to do whatever you want in campaigning that's a good question but uh she isn't a habitual felon she was arrested for a felony uh the charge has been expunged and again it was on her campaign website it's not like she's hiding that i know you've interviewed her about her past like centered her entire she's got a heck of a story 
Organ- future. Yeah, right. it's our Beauty Behind Bars as an organization. You can go back and listen to our episode from May. It's a great conversation in case you've only tuned in for the famed Joe Bruno. <laughs> um, but then, but yeah. then he went after her for her nonprofit, claiming she yeah. doesn't actually like run it. Like the house that she claims is a safe house isn't mm-hmm. actually a safe house, and that um, you know she's not in compliance with the IRS. And then again, Tia was completely transparent. She mm-hmm. answered every question I had. She did the interview inside the home. Oh, she spoke in the residence there. That's <laughs> yes. the house. She set yeah. me up with a person who was currently living in the home. They opened the fridge. There was stuff inside it. Like people are clearly living in the house. Mm-hmm. Um, IRS issue. Uh, the What he pointed out was true. They are on a list um, right now, auto revocation list, which I don't know the ins and outs of IRS. I know that she's trying to get back in compliance, and she claims that she's able to still operate because she has a fiscal sponsor. Uh, that's just, that's what she says. Um, that seems to, uh, there seems to me on the same page. IRS will not comment on individual cases, no, and then comment on anything. Uh, right, exactly. <laughs> oh, um, and yeah, then Justin. with the Beatty's Ford property, uh, Warren Turner pointed out that. Um, Nobody's in it right now, and she's like, "That's true." The lease expired, and there was flood damage. So, mm. you know, there was just a lot of mudslinging. But she defended herself, and mm. voters clearly supported her because it was a pretty right. dominant victory, as dominant as one could be in a race with like yeah. three thousand. More voters. than doubled his vote total. And you had some tweets last night about you must have been well. Obviously, from what you just railed off, there, reeled off there as a. You were definitely doing the the in-depth coverage on this specific race, mm-hmm. but you had said that she had taken a specific uh, a specific strategy yeah. in Steel Creek. Tell me a little yeah. bit about what she was telling you. So she almost beat Victoria Watlington last summer. Um, very close, a couple hundred votes she lost by. And the reason she lost is because Victoria did really strong in Steel Creek. Uh, Tijuana grew up in Southside homes, so Southside area, Clanton Park area, West Charlotte area was always going to turn out for her. And she knew that. So instead, during early voting and on election day and anytime she knocked on doors, it was always in Steel Creek. So she focused her energy on introducing herself to voters in Steel Creek, and it paid off. She won every single precinct, including all of the Steel Creek precincts, but Mm -hmm. ran a very smart campaign to, you know, recognize this was my weakness in the last election. This is how I can win this time. And it paid off for her. Right. Absolutely. And, um... She's going to be an interesting city council member. She I'm not I, like I, I'm excited. I, you know, mm-hmm. I, I think that Charlotte City Council has never had someone like her. She has mm-hmm. to beat the Republican, of course, in November. But it's an overwhelming, like ten to one district, Democrats mm-hmm. to Republicans. So she's the overwhelming favorite, and she's really going. It's going to be really interesting mm-hmm. to cover her. I feel right. like. you turn to stay in touch with the city around you. Broadcast news isn't what it used to be, and commercial radio doesn't scratch that itch. If only there was one place you could get it all, when you want, wherever you want, on your schedule, there is the Queen City Podcast Network. Listen to your city on your schedule at queencitypodcastnetwork.com and everywhere you get your podcasts. And did 
you um, see any? Uh, it didn't end up happening, but did you expect or speculate about any of this Eastland drawn-out affair uh, affecting Marjorie Molina, who's District Five rep? It was, she still got fifty-four percent of the vote, or fifty-three percent. So the two candidates that were trying to make Eastland an issue kind of split the mm-hmm. vote there. Um, there wasn't really much for them to run on mm-hmm. with that issue because at the end of the day, Marjorie found a compromise where now they're trying to combine the indoor sports and the QC East. Um, Marjorie was kind of always in uh, a position for success mm-hmm. in that race. Uh, there wasn't too much, there wasn't a successful campaign against her on the Eastland issue, I would say, and then the two candidates end up splitting the vote. I think that's what they hoped for, was to sort of capitalize on that and make her seem an act or whatever it might be, idle on it, um, Mm -hmm. because the vote is taking so long. I always like to say, on that last little bit of acreage, because people think that Eastland has just been sitting there dead, and it's not. It's the last little bit of acreage. Have they... Have they no. not considered putting oh. like a mall there or something? <laughs> An ice skating rink? They actually yeah. were supposed to put the ice skating rink as part of the. Well, they just sports leave film. it empty, right? <laughs> a bunch of grass there. How Let much the is dirt it? bikers go in the skate yeah. park? Yeah, how much is it? Twenty acres. That skate park. Oh, that the, last the new skate bit. park, the Kilbourne mm-hmm. skate park, is so cool. Yeah. Um, my brother skates, and he visited me last weekend, and we went over to see it, and they've done an amazing job. Oh, so there's it. a lot up yeah. already. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. cool. Um, well, yeah, they did the last one super quick. Yeah. So, makes yeah. sense. And it's for sure. They get a lot more su- use than uh, the tennis courts probably were. And oh, they're yeah. getting a lot of support from uh, the county on this one. Yeah, mm-hmm. such an easy win for the county, too. Just give them the space. Give mm-hmm. them the resources. Let them build Absolutely. what they want to build. Don't police it. Like, you know, don't breathe down their neck. Mm-hmm. You know, just let them have a space where they can hang out. And it's been a huge success so far. Absolutely huge. Um I don't know what they're doing with the disc golf course over there. They've completely knocked out one of my favorite. What? At Kilbourne? Hole number one is just, there's nothing there anymore. What about the rest of them? I don't know. (laughs) Because I'm not going to, I don't know where to start. Like that time (laughs) that we went through it a non-existent hole. (laughs) Uh, I think R.L. Smith is back now. Let's turn this into a disc golf course. Uh, disc golf. <laughs> disc uh, golf discourse. Yes. That's a podcast name. That yeah. is. That's a good one. Yeah. Actually, I've been meaning to, no, I haven't been meaning to talk to you about this, but I put it in our newsletter when you interviewed Jack Black. Yeah. And he said, uh, I definitely remember playing Frisbee golf when I was in Charlotte. Do you guys still have the Frisbee golf field? And I was like, we have 21. I, I know. And I just said, yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm like, sure. Which one? But, uh, but he didn't remember the name of the bar no, that right. he went to, which apparently was um, whatever Jillian's was yeah what before said. All American. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So getting back on the rails. Wait, um, before we're on them, mm-hmm. since we were talking about tweets a lot, mm-hmm. uh, your tweet last night, I was laughing my ass oh. off reading that. <laughs> if you're still in line when the polls close, you're not at a polling location. Right. <laughs> so I, good. I almost got specific with it. I almost said if you're not, if you're still in line when the polls close, you're at Chick Fil A. Oh no, my gosh. I, didn't want, I, didn't I like, like the vagueness. Yes. <laughs> Uh, hit tweet, hit tweet. Let's see. Uh, okay, so now moving forward, I mean, we've got a pretty damn good uh, idea of what this what this council is going to look like in twenty twenty four. 
save for District 6, which will be a huge deal for what I'm about to bring up, depending on Stephanie or Tarek. But is that the like is that the last one that's a big deal? Is D6? I think so. Or city council, yeah. I mean, yeah. We'll see mean, what maybe the independent... mayor pro tem vote. Oh, right. yeah, that's yeah. true, yeah. I did write about oh, that last night. Also, you see how many votes Dimple gets? You think she's mm-hmm. got a chance to be mayor if she really wanted to? You think she could beat Vi Lyles if they were both on the ticket? I don't Ooh. think she would ever run against Vi, but <laughs> yeah. I think that if we were to create a list right now of the strongest people to be mayor mm-hmm. when Vi leaves, I think Dimple is number one. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, she's finished twice now with the most votes, and in dramatic fashion, I think she has a broad support from the whole entire city, and I think she's in a really strong place mm-hmm. right now. Well, that's what, uh, before I bring up then the UDO repeal talk, I want to talk about a little bit, but let's talk about that mayor pro tem thing because I thought it was really interesting that last year, it's so weird to have two city council elections in a row, but uh, that mayor pro tem vote kind of went against the grain, whereas usually the top vote getter, I mean, you've been doing this. Mm-hmm probably longer than I have, around the same amount of years covering city council. Do, do you remember before last year many times where it wasn't just the top vote-getter gets sort of voted in? There was once, Julie, the, the when Vi was mayor pro tem, I believe Julie Iselt had the most votes, but she was just coming mm-hmm. on to city council, mm-hmm. so she kind of just bowed out like a of, thing. yeah, and mm-hmm. just said, why, don't, why doesn't Vi just mm-hmm. be mayor pro tem and I'll train right. underneath her. Well, last so, year was a little bit more contentious, though. Yeah. Um, Dimple had the most votes, and Braxton got voted in. There was some very... Uh, Lawana Mayfield, recent guest as well here, uh, she was loudly against the idea of mm-hmm. Dimple having it, although not specific enough for my taste. She kept saying, I just don't want someone that I've seen uh, lie, manipulate, lie, manipulate and, and this and that. Something else. Yeah. Right. And um, I'm just curious as to, you know, now Luana's the number two vote getter. Mm-hmm. So if anyone were to try to challenge that mayor pro tem position, uh, that would be who it would be. Do you see that? I don't expect you to necessarily know what's in Luana's head. <laughs> this is something I could call her to report on, but I just looking forward, how do you see that going? So uh, because there is a libertarian on the candidate, there will be a choice for all voters at the um, ballot box in November. There will be five people on the ballot. Mm-hmm. You pick four. So there will be, for some voters, some vote splitting, mm-hmm. and there will be a separation between the four Democrats. So we'll once again have to see who the top vote getter is mm-hmm. uh, when the whole city has a say. So uh, Luana might have finished second in the Democratic primary. Maybe she finishes in first mm-hmm. or in fourth um, right, come November. So. It's a little premature, probably, to yeah, see where this is going. I mean, speaking. Smudgy, I feel like his name is always um, in the mix for Mayor Pro Tem. Um, I think his name was in the mix uh, with Julie Isoltz in one of the years that she was named Mayor Pro Tem. So I think he always has an interest. Um, there's nothing that says that the Mayor Pro Tem even has to be an at-large member. So if they wanted, they could go like, hey, Marjorie Molina, why don't you do this? Mm -hmm. Um, So overall, it's too early to say, but if Dimple finishes the top vote getter again, that's three straight elections, I think that she has the best case Mm -hmm. for it. And there might even be some more backlash um, if, if she does finish in first. 
and uh, she doesn't get the role. So, right. well, here's another question that Justin and I were. I'm sorry. D- if Dimple finishes his, if Dimple finishes in first and doesn't get the role, right? Yeah, that will yeah. be three straight elections, yeah. and uh, public might go, yeah. "What the heck's going on?" Yeah. Um, well, Justin and I were joking about it today as to why, because from my viewpoint, it's basically you're the substitute teacher when Viola yeah. Lyles isn't around. What do you? Why want? Why do you want the mayor pro tem role? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're the backup point guard. I All mean, right. like when the mayor doesn't feel like staying the entire meeting, um, you get to be the mayor. Essentially, uh, you represent the city at the events the mayor doesn't want to attend. Mm-hmm. Um, and <laughs> exactly, yeah. it's the doesn't want to. Uh, yeah, and, in many ways, I guess the way that they want the mayor pro tem to be is kind of like the vote whipper to find out like where mm. people stand on a certain issue um to find right. out like oh, hey will you support eastland's indoor sports or will you mm. support qce so yeah. that, that's a kind of the behind the scenes it's really just a, a title well though, yeah at the end of the day justin was asking me like well then when they're when they're replacing the mayor on any given night that the mayor's not there, do they then not get a vote the same way the mayor doesn't get they, a vote? They get a, they get a vote. They still get their yeah. vote. Because uh-huh. I was like, I don't think they'd want that. an odd number. Yeah, right. right. Um, so now looking forward this year, once, you know, and I keep speaking as if the general election has occurred, and I, and I should emphasize, as you just said, I'm jumping the gun a little bit with the mayor pro tem talk, so we don't even know who the top vote getters are. But... Looking at it with, you know, still not knowing um, who will be District 6 and not completely knowing who will any, anyone will be except for a few of the, the unopposed. But just in general, what are you, the big issues that you're going to be looking at or, or looking forward to covering this coming year? Um, we still have the Eastland decision to go. Mm-hmm. They've put the last two decisions and asked them to merge their, their plans and make a final one. So that will obviously be something people are paying attention to. Um, I've really been paying attention. I just asked you a question. I'm about to answer it for myself. <laughs> but I've been really paying attention to all this talk where as soon as they've sort of approved the UDO and then they gave it a few months and then as soon as development started coming before them, they were like, well, let's talk about repealing this density, mm-hmm. this triplex-duplex situation in the UDO after all that whole year or two of talking about it. Um, that repeal talk is something I'm going to be watching closely because I just find it super interesting. Is that something you think is realistic i could see them scaling back maybe not taking a flamethrower to the udo but slowly peeling away at it um you know there are entire jobs in the city of charlotte that are dedicated to the udo so i think i don't think not getting rid of right repeal it in its entirety but yeah amending it Mm -hmm. in a way that will um you know make it harder to build duplexes, triplexes. Not that duplexes and triplexes are even popping up mm-hmm. left and right with the UDO. In yeah. effect, I think like dozens maybe have been built since mm-hmm. those new provisions. Um, yeah, that is definitely mm-hmm. something to keep an eye on. If uh, the mayor had her way with Will uh, winning that seat, that yeah would have been a different story. But, mm-hmm. you know, we'll see where does Tijuana stand mm-hmm. on uh, the UDO. If Stephanie wins, is she more reliable vote for the mayor than Tark Bakari would be? You know, there's a lot of I would questions. Assume. Yeah, I would <laughs> it's too. It's a low but bar, but yeah. I will see, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'll, other issues, though, mm-hmm. uh, that, to going back to your original question. Um, so first, got to get the state budget passed. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are a couple things in that that will impact um, Charlotte. One is uh, the 
food and beverage tax, which we're waiting to see if that will be in the budget, the extension of it. It's set to sunset in 2030. Uh, they want to extend it to 2060, and that way they can borrow the money necessary for Bank of America stadium improvements. So eventually we're going to start talking about subsidies for the Panthers, what that looks like, whether there should be any public investment at all. That will be a huge story, what exactly is going to happen to Bank of America Stadium. Uh, the budget also is likely going to have funding for the Western and Southern Open, the River District Tennis Facility. So um, if the budget includes $25 million for them, will that seal the deal for Charlotte in grabbing that tournament from Cincinnati? Mm-hmm. Then that's a whole other story with the River District and uh, what's going on there. Right. The River District is going to be crazy to watch. Yeah. I don't think people really know. When I talk to folks who aren't in Because it's unincorporated out there, right? Mm-hmm. There's just yes. nothing. Nothing. Yeah. yeah. And it's just so much space. It's bigger area-wise than Ballantyne. And there is an, uh, there is affordable housing cooked mm-hmm. in. There's all sorts. I just don't think that a lot of people who aren't super engaged in that sort of thing know what no. the the change that's coming well they're just paying side. attention to the tennis thing right right yeah right. exactly and that's and just that a small part of it, it. yeah mm-hmm. there's like a farm it, a yeah, farm right. is slated for yeah. uh, the right. river district the, the tennis part of the river district really just means nothing mm-hmm. <laughs> i mean yeah sure you get your tennis tournament and i love tennis i mm-hmm. play tennis all the time but that's nothing yeah compared to yeah, what it's it a is small part yeah mm-hmm. overall I think this last u.s open with coco golf is kind of blowing tennis up. Not yeah. that Serena Williams obviously paved that way, but I've just been seeing so many people talk about tennis in an educated way. Like, they're watching. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I saw that uh, Nadal got – they started this new vote for most dominant player just in any sport. Oh, right, right. And he beat out uh, Usain Bolt and Michael Phelps in the Olympics for being the most dominant player in sports. In, like, the 2000s mm-hmm. altogether? Uh, yes. yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think it's Michael for, Phelps and Usain Bolt are done. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it was for like a uh, for the 21st century, right, maybe. Right. I don't know. It was on Twitter. I read it from an official account. I, but, I did yeah. watch. Justin will play some tennis. I don't know about that, but I'll watch. I'm down to go to a tennis match. I'll play yeah. some tennis. I play tennis like yes, animals. yes. <laughs> um, and then I think one more um issue to keep an eye on is of course eastland but also cats like it mm. just there's always something with cats I gonna, <laughs> yeah i was gonna bring that up earlier when i said we were going off the rails we're kicking up another I mean, five million dollars for the red line mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, yeah 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 i've been seeing a lot of the, uh i saw ben copeland talking a lot about that on um reddit about the red line and the silver line and stuff like that. What's 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 going on? Well, they're going to invest another five million to design the red line, which is a commuter rail proposal from Charlotte to Mooresville. But Norfolk Southern owns the tracks and isn't sharing. <laughs> and <laughs> they uh, like I emailed them again this week. Like, yo, has anything changed? And they said no, but we like working with Charlotte and our partners. Right. So, like, they were polite about it. Mm-hmm. Five million dollars for a design. Probably sounds reasonable to somebody in that field, but that sounds like a crazy amount of money to design I something. Mean, they didn't like discuss this, but like, there's just no movement on the red line. Like, there's no signs of life that this will ever be a thing. So, well, just so- another five million dollars to design, to refresh the design for a project that will very much likely never happen. Mm-hmm. Well, someone in my household is lined up to do that community engagement for said design. So, oh go well, I hope that it goes well. Conflict of interest. <laughs> <laughs> no, I hope it no, goes I'm well. Just kidding. I, I hope that we do get uh, yeah. rail to Lake Norman one day. But Charlotte needs to find a way to convince Norfolk right. Southern, and yeah. they don't seem convincible. I mean, I remember when uh, that 
Central Park dream was was, I was like just about to ask. Mm-hmm. I don't know why they even came out with such a big press release because they were they even admitted at the time like this is we have no real plan of how to get Norfolk Southern to do this. You remember the Central yeah. Park or Queens Park? Yeah, that's what it was called, Queens Park. The one good thing with them is they turned it into a park near that yes, site. Right. So be there, there will be a park near mm-hmm. there. It won't be a Central Park, but. I mean, we all love parks. I mean, that, oh, yeah, that's that, great. That, yeah, good I for them. I think the Coleman Avenue Park is the one uh, that they've sort of, because they go to the NOTA NBA meetings and discuss mm-hmm. it all the time. But yeah, no, that is very exciting. But I was thinking more of like, yeah. I remember when that Queens Park plan got pitched and it was such a beautiful press release that all the news stations covered it. Oh, beautiful renderings. And then, yeah, yeah. And then Norfolk mm-hmm. Southern was like, <laughs> what? Like, what? Like, <laughs> that's not going to happen. Um, all right, cool. Well, no, we're going to about to wrap this thing up, but. Also, we just went straight on city council because there's enough there to, to discuss for probably Forever. another 30 yeah. minutes to an hour. But what are some of the other big things? You just mentioned the state budget. Um, bring us up to speed with what's going on there because I don't. I, I think a lot of people just see the casino in the headline. Yeah, They're like, casinos are holding up the state budget. How is that? It's, it's the truth, though. Casinos yeah. are holding up the state budget. Um, there's like a proposal for four casinos three of them wouldn't be on tribal land one would be in peachland uh anson county one in rockingham um and there is one more i'm not sure which part of the state i think nash county but yeah so phil Berger wants um the casinos in the budget like this little part of the budget you know how there's like pork right. always added that budget um and tim moore says me too, but I'm not going to put a budget up that doesn't have 61 Republicans supporting it. And apparently there aren't 61 Republicans in the House that will support a budget with casinos in it. Phil Berger says, you're going back on your word. You said you would put this in a budget if at least half of your caucus supports it. So the reason we don't have a budget with Medicaid expansion right now, teacher raises with uh, Panthers funding and tennis funding is because casinos. Right are you know holding it up and it's kind of amazing because i don't know did anybody think that we were going to have casinos in north carolina outside (laughs) on tribal lands like six months ago like did anyone think that this was an issue um but uh, there's this casino in danville um virginia apparently Mm -hmm. that's in a trailer very similar to the one in king's mountain and in apparently a lot of people in rockingham County are going to this casino and uh, Burger Busis says we're losing money, so mm-hmm. um, I mean, that's make, why he's pushing for it. Yeah, makes sense. It's just crazy to me that all like with the with the Panthers stuff, like mm-hmm. it's a privately owned team. Why do we have to publicly fund it? With the casinos, they're privately owned. Why do we have to publicly fund them? Why are they holding up our budget? It's a little mm-hmm. ridiculous to me, but uh, I get it. The, the tourism, the dollars mm-hmm. and stuff, the taxes and everything mm-hmm. like that. It's the same as with uh, Virginia legalizing marijuana, and people are going to be traveling across the border right. to go mm-hmm. buy it from there when it's when they have their dispensaries open. What next year? Yeah, June I'm sure people will be traveling to Cherokee mm-hmm. too. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's yeah. that's fascinating. Well, I've I will be. That is one of those things we just mentioned is where I most often people say, "What's your most conservative take?" And I'm referring to Twitter when I say people say. Uh, <laughs> That is it. It's the public sports funding. Like, stop. Don't give David Tepper money. Like, that man does not need it. And it's been shown with the stadium stuff. It just doesn't return the way that people like to claim it does. But uh, that's just my own little... I watched all of Ballers, and (laughs) Dwayne The Rock Johnson had to get all of his funding privately. Right. (laughs) 
More than likely, this will be the debate all of next year. Right. (laughs) Can't wait. Uh, I also just this year have become a fan of casinos. Always hated gambling. Never went. Went to Atlantic City in January. Now I'm in love with them. Went for my birthday earlier this month to the Kings Mountain. Love it. So let's build some more of those. I'm not usually on <laughs> Phil Berger's side, but let's do it. Um, You'll go to the Peachland Casino in Anson County. Uh, Kings Mountain is fine. I just oh, wish God. they'd build, a fa- build the facility. Right, yeah, that, is, being in the that is strange Yeah, that they haven't built that yet. And, I, you know, I, I haven't done any reporting on this yet, but I do wonder if, like, the Catawba Indian Nation is looking at what Cherokee Tribe did mm-hmm. with uh, marijuana legalization, if they will pursue mm-hmm. something similar. Well, they just had a new chief elected uh, yeah. who's Strikes me as someone Two who probably ago. would be yeah willing to explore that, but I also I haven't either. I don't mean to speak out of turn. I don't know, uh, but yeah, that could be an interesting change. If Kings sure. Mountain becomes a weed destination right. in North Carolina, like Cherokee very much mm-hmm. is likely going to be. Well, dream dreamers can dream, um, but I appreciate you coming on here, man. This is pretty short notice, so thanks no, for glad we can make it work. Thanks so the, much. I always do the uh, just annoy you on text before I ask somebody else. Hey, Joe, want to come on? <laughs> anytime, so thanks anytime. For making it happen, and uh, glad you got to come in this in person this time. All right, we'll see you next time. Cheers. QueenCityPodcastNetwork.com. dot